Hi, I'm Siggy, born and raised in St. Catharines, Ontario, and now living in the nation's capital of Ottawa. And I'm Jazzy, born in Manila, Philippines, raised in Toronto, Canada, and schooled all over southwestern Ontario. You're listening to the Halo Halo podcast, a delicious mix of pop culture and the Filipino-Canadian life. Before we start our podcast, we'd like to acknowledge the lands we're podcasting on. I'm podcasting from the traditional lands of the Huron-Wendat, the Seneca, and most recently, the Mississaugas of the Credit River. And I'm podcasting from the traditional unceded territory of the Algonquin Anishinaabeg people. On today's Merienda episode, we go through the San Miguel beer and toast off 2021 of the best of pop (laughs) culture. But before we do that, Sigs, let's catch up. What have you been up to pop culture wise? Now, folks, if you don't know, Kuya and I haven't talked for a bit. So we're near the end of December and I miss you, Kuya. Mm -hmm. I hope your birthday was wonderful. I love this right now. I feel like it's cocktail hour. Both Kuya and I Mm -hmm. are are holding matching gin tumbler. This is a great Marianne episode. Mm -hmm. I miss you. I was just out of the country before all this craziness happened. I went to Puerto Rico and I'm back. And the best part, during Puerto Rico, something really awesome dropped. Two shows I've been binging. One is from Disney Plus, Hawkeye with Jeremy Renner Mm -hmm. and Haley. Steinfeld, which is mm-hmm. amazing. It's only a six-episode arc of basically what's going on with Hawkeye and his Travis since Endgame and how he's dealing about the closure of Ronin. You'd love it. The mixed plots from Black Widow, the appearances Ooh. of other characters, and the way it's development, nice and tight. You and I always talk about there's, sometimes there's too much expository, the way they handle it. Yeah. Disney Plus, they've got their pulse in some really good streaming things. So for six episodes, it's quite an enjoyable binge, so I highly recommend. And I was more excited about it than more than Eternal, so it was it's pretty <laughs> great so far. I highly recommend. My second thing, and I don't know if you watched this, I know we were talking about it, on HBO Crave, a wonderful show produced by Mindy Kaling called The Sex Lives of College Girls. Have you heard about this I've show? I've heard about it, and when I've seen it, it's like, is this some triple X that's getting through my, you know, ad filter <laughs> or stuff like that? But it's it, but it's not. It's actually a bona fide TV show. What is it about? Four girls at this upstate college from different backgrounds, diverse cast, coming to the university scene. And I think, Kuya, you would appreciate it. Some links mm. to professional careers. Yes, yes. You have four different characters. Bella, oh my God, Layton, Kimberly, and I forgot the other one. Uh, bust me if I'm wrong. Whitney. And one plays on the soccer team. One wants to be in like the Catulan, so like a, a comedy group. One is a super rich, privileged girl, but really who's mm. also gay and just trying to navigate through. And then one is just this, not a country girl, but from a small town girl who's just working to to just pay the bills at university. A girl that I just, you know her. You've met Kimberly before. You've seen her working and trying to assimilate and get the whole university experience. Very funny. The topics are really on point, really on now, all from a woman's lens, and it's fantastic. Just It's really diverse. I like how they tackle a lot of the issues that are going on in colleges. But what the most interesting thing is, and I mentioned my friend Jago Jasmine, because she told me about it and we were talking about it. I didn't realize that character named Kimberly, her name is Pauline Chalamet. And I didn't make the connection that that is Timothy Chalamet's sister. 
I, oh, like, I, I did not know that. Last week. No clue. Then after I'm like, oh, the face. It totally makes sense. But <laughs> yeah, you'll have your rolling in the seats just with your link with universities and stuff. You'll be like, oh, my God, I've seen this before. And just the different takes. You can hear like Mindy Kaling's voice and the production and stuff. It's super funny, super light, tight 10 episodes. It's already bankrolled mm. for season two. If you want to laugh, just light and easy about half an hour. Very interesting. And I'm sure you'd be very happy with a lot of the nice eye candy on both sides, male and female. Nice. You see that nice. too. But because Gavin Lockwood from Sabrina the Teenage Witch is in it. Oh, interesting. So you'll be very well, now happy. I really you'll be have very to watch happy. It. No, you're going to have to <laughs> watch it. But highly recommend just two peppy, interesting, fun shows for the Christmas break binge. What about you? What have you been up to pop culture wise? Before I tell you what I'm up to pop culture wise or have been up to pop culture wise, I was going to say that's really great of Disney being able to just kind of create these, what are they calling them? Phenomena events or like Like streaming events and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, These limited series. I think that that's great. It's nice to kind of get these kind of easily bingeable. So not necessarily a movie, but something that we can do a bit of investing, but not too much commitment. So I really enjoy that, you know, and it's a great form of storytelling. From the Netflix MCU. Like even taking a step outside of that where you're like, whoa, you're linking worlds from other parts of the MC universe. Yeah, yeah. and so what great creative ways of storytelling. And then at the same time, instantly accessible. So if you've never watched the rest of the MCU universe, you you can still get into it, right? Yeah, you you can step in. And Disney is also doing that with the Star Wars franchise. I've like met so many people talking about the Mandalorian, (laughs) but then you don't necessarily need to have known everything about the Star Wars universe to still enjoy the Mandalorian. In terms of my own kind of pop culture, I've been so busy with work and believe it or not, with school. Yes, <laughs> listeners, I'm in, I'm doing a bit of school work right now. But either way, I just wanted to say, instead of trying to kind of consume something new, we were feeling a little bit nostalgic. And I think that's kind of what the holiday season brings out in me, especially between Christmas and New Year's. I always think about kind of like wanting to watch something grand and epic. And so mm-hmm. usually for a long time, there has been either a Lord of the Rings or a Harry Potter movie to kind of see in between and kind of get ready for that but wasn't necessarily in that mood and instead you know we decided to visit a little bit of Downton Abbey so Ah. been loving and revisiting the characters and then actually just seeing the genius of it and how well written (laughs) the entire series has been and so I've been loving Julian Fellows who's the creator has been doing with that particular series and it's also been preparing us as well in the new year for Downton Abbey the sequel so there was the movie and then there's Downton Abbey and you era that's coming out sometime in the mid to late spring and then he's also got a new tv series ca- called the gilded age oh wow right yeah yeah and there. so basically just before when downton abbey started it's in the late 1800s he's going to be exploring what the aristocratic life was like in the united states at the time so it'll be interesting to look at the emergence of the american elite and how that kind of came to be so that's kind of what i've been excited to kind of get to at least in the new year but at the same time kind of feeling nostalgic and kind of reminding myself of julian fellows and his great work with downton abbey Speaking of Downton Abbey and Julian's Fellows, Gilded Age, that, interestingly enough, is in the 1800s. Guess what started in the 1800s? Well, tell me. Folks. Tell me. <laughs> so let tell me tell me. you, Six, <laughs> and is also the topic for today, which is really San Miguel, right? And I did not know about this in terms of San Miguel Beer and the San Miguel Corporation, but apparently the San Miguel Brewery was the first brewery in the Philippines, which oh. was in the 1800s as well. Isn't that kind of cool? That's interesting. That. In, yeah. And the first in Asia in a lot of ways. Oh. And I would think that other places would have actually 
started to create beer, but it wasn't until the Philippines kind of through Spanish colonialization had actually <laughs> had the first Asian beer brewery. Anyways, that's just kind of like a little fun fact to know. But I'm sure, Sigs, like you, you probably grew up hearing from your family and, you know, perhaps it was gendered, but I don't think it's so gendered these days. I remember hearing a lot about from my dad and from my uncles about how they very much enjoyed San Miguel beer and had missed San Miguel beer when they had gone into Canada. I don't know if something similar for you You know what's so interesting? Like, my dad wasn't a big drinker, and my parents associated with drinking, with smoking, and poker, which, yes. which is, I'm sure we'll unpack another day. But yes. I always heard about San Miguel beer pictures from family in the Philippines. Right, you know, if someone right. was listening or whatever, they had San Miguel, or it's paired with, you know, a good baboy or lechon, or they've had it with balot and stuff. That's how I heard yeah. about San Miguel beer. And I've seen the cool shirts and posters, and I was like, is that a beer? And then I said, oh, it's a beer. As you grow older, you're like, oh, that's a beer style. Like, And I always thought it looked sort of neater and more not Catholic or whatever, but I just the symbolic was much different than a Coors Light, right, which we see in Canada or like a Carlsberg, like the emblematic of the San Miguel. So it's so funny. Yeah. I find it a little different where I'm like, oh, that's a different way to take beer consumption. I don't know why. <laughs> well, and it, it is true. And that probably has to do more with the Spanish Catholic influence, because when you actually look at the label itself, ironically enough, it's in old English Gothic writing mm-hmm. when you look at it, right? It's got that calligraphy, old English Gothic writing. So, so mm-hmm. folks, what you need to know is like Sigs is looking at the bottle right now mm-hmm. as we're sipping on our beverages. And when you look at it, it does kind of have that kind of, if you will, mm-hmm. more regal looking kind of flair as opposed to kind of, yeah, like what you were saying, Coors Light and kind of like that kind of scrolly scripty type of blue aerial fonts or Times New Roman fonts (laughs) that we're so used to seeing. But I think for me, like, you know, certainly iconic and it's one of the number one selling beers in the Philippines. Philippines, right? It usually has been, and actually in Hong Kong too, it's like apparently a big beer in Hong Kong. That I did not know, at least in my research of it. And maybe our friend Vic, if he's listening in, our friend Ever listens in, yes. (laughs) Yes, if he's... (laughs) Ever listens. Victor, I hope you're listening. I, I know where they download stuff and I have not seen Hong Kong be one of those places Anyway, yes, yes. <laughs> we'll be that, setting Victor. this up something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, what I was going to say is, is, is that growing up, very much I remember associating drinking San Miguel beer as very much a machismo, manly thing to do. Yeah. But I think, interestingly enough, in the last 15 years, if you look at some of the San Miguel advertising, it's really tried to kind of stay away from that kind of gendered way of association or pairing, and it's been much more kind of like it's every person's beer at this point. If you look at the advertising, it's very much kind of like after work or hanging out and having that sitchiria, as you were talking about, depending on, I would almost imagine, commercial where they're drinking San Miguel beer and then having Sisig along the way yeah. uh, or as you were saying any other kind of street food that might be out there so it's become and has transitioned to becoming an every person beer for any occasion and I would think to myself if anything it's apropos that as we are toasting off this year we're having sips and having an ode to San Miguel at the same time but I think now especially my analysis of what I've seen it, mm-hmm. it really starts to represent camaraderieship in some ways the other thing to know about these merienda episodes we always want to know what it tastes like and I'll tell you tell things that for, for me it's interesting I find it really mild 
in some ways, oh, I yeah? almost yeah, and find it a little bit watered down. You and I have grown up with southwestern Ontario beers, and yeah, I'm so used to kind of having that kind of sharp taste to the beers that <laughs> yeah, we have. 100%. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and I think the most mildest beer that I could ever think of, and I'm not including Henneken in all of this, is Stella. You See, know, I, and, I was about to say Stella or Corona. I find the lightest beer doesn't really hurt your tummy and stuff. That's very interesting. I don't even remember. What is the alcohol? It's probably just as low, right? Is it like 5%? I can't Again, even remember. I think it's about that, right? So I'm gathering that's yeah, why it's so light. It is very much considered a pale ale. Uh-huh. It is golden and medium bodied is what they would say. But I would say that in comparison to other North American beers or international beers that you and I have ever had in our university mm-hmm. days, if not up to today, if, if adult time. it's very yeah. much, I know, because as we've transitioned to adults, it's more wine and liquor at this yeah. point. But in terms of beer, it's got a really smooth taste. And it's always interesting to see the advertisement too. It says best served cold, which always kind of reminds you that this is a beer that's made in the tropics in a lot of way and that call, you really yeah. have to kind of keep it cold. Yeah. And and then, but I do find it mild. I don't find it really sharp. There's always this kind of belief in the Philippines where people need to learn how to hold their liquor. I know that I could probably drink a through a bucket right. of this. Yeah. yeah, like I can imagine myself in Boracay drinking through a whole bucket of this mm-hmm. really quickly, simply because I think our palates grew up with something much more sharper. You know, yeah, we could handle that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so to us, it's like, oh, it doesn't seem so sharp or it doesn't seem so alcoholic-like, you know, Mm -hmm. since we're so used to much more bitter brands and something more than just pale ales for that matter. Can I ask you something? With your Filipino-Canadian palate, when you grab a San Miguel, what would you grab to eat with it? Like right now, like if in your house, what would you have access to? Like, so we can sort of tell our listeners, you know, what what would you pair it with? Yeah, I don't think it would be any different than any other kind of pale ale. Yeah. But I do kind of think to myself, it is citria a lot, meaning, you know, Filipino street food or simple fried fruits. Yeah. Yeah. So something fried, something salty. I don't think it would be any different than any other beer, but it would be very much paired to more Filipino stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think of sisig, I think of lichon kawali. I think of garlic fried peanuts, fried peanuts. That, in some I was going to say if you're going to say peanuts is what I was going to ask you. Like, right? like as they would say. Yeah. So that's kind of what I think of, like when I think of having San Miguel beer when I've had it before in, in the past. You know, and there are kind of up and coming brands that are kind of coming up, but mm-hmm. you know, this still remains to be a number one iconic brand it, in the Philippines. It in, absolutely in is, and it's funny. I was just telling Kuya that what I'm holding is I'm holding. Like San Miguel gin. Gin was one of the things I very liked. If you if you don't know me, uh, one of my staple drinks, and and Jesse knows that. And I told one of my aunts, and she says, "I'm going to send you the best gin ever." And I'm like, I, in my head, I was like, Tanqueray, because I have tons of bottles of this. <laughs> and I got this this bottle like wrapped in like black plastic that came to my mailbox. I'm like, this looks fragile. And I opened it up and it's Ginebra San Miguel with like this guy with a sword and angel wings fighting off someone. And it's, it's actual San Miguel gin. So Jesse mentioned before that it's, it's really grown the brand of San Miguel and it's not just branched out. Like the staple of course was beer and now there's tons of liquors and vodkas and we, there is a gin and this is from like 2000, at least 2008, 2009 and they're producing it. So they've really spawned out. And Jess did mention like with it being one of the oldest breweries, I think it's just, 
just evolving. And now how that beer used to be very gendered, now like you have all types of liquor. So it is trying to hit all the whole mass market. Yeah. yeah and interestingly enough, I yeah. think somewhere in the 1960s, the brewery itself rebranded itself as the San Miguel Corporation. And I think the That's reason right. why is that it did start producing more than just beer at mm. that point. But I don't think it had its true global expansion until the 1980s, which is really interesting because, of course, by then our parents were very much kind of missing home. And, and I do recall right. them saying, oh, like, you know, uh, the best beer in the world is San Miguel. So when they would drink American or North American beers, they'd be like, oh, this is crap, right? Or, this is really <laughs> yeah. bitter. Mm-hmm. They said they don't know how to make a really smooth tasting type of beer, which is so fascinating because I find it really mild and almost watery Simple. is what I would probably say. Yeah, it's a very <laughs> light beer, almost even akin to the fresh tastingness of a, a good apple cider, alcoholic cider yeah. that you would have here. Is That's the, a is really the way great... That I would pro- that's a great analogy. It's almost like Fisher Price's beginner's beer. Like you don't want to overwhelm somebody. I think that's that's fine. Not that we're encouraging drinking. (laughs) But this is the funny part, right? So they started their global expansion past the 1980s. And then, of course, the last time I was in the Philippines, which was, of course, pre-pandemic in 2019, you know, something that started being offered was like San Miguel Light. And I was like, it's already How could enough. this be even more lighter, right? It's like a and so, like, literally, I was dr- <laughs> well. It felt like it had a hint of beer, hint of San Miguel beer in some ways, and I'm like, wow, this is really almost like water in some ways, and yet it had alcohol. I could feel its effects and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I just think to myself, it is kind of very palate driven and geographically driven, ah. and I think it also explains too that since you and I kind of grew up on an American yeah. North American beers in particular, you know, us kind of having San Miguel beer just feels really light and feathery in is the way feathery. That yeah, that's, a great, that's a great, great yeah, way to exist. Yeah. So that's yeah. kind of how I would probably describe it. Anything else that you want to say about San Miguel beer or this, this whole enterprise, of, no. you know, the oldest brewery in Asia? For some reason, I love that fact about it being the oldest brewery, which is totally intriguing. Now I'm so sort of linked. I'm like, oh, I feel like I need to go to LCBO and get some international just to toast it out on top of having my gin here. But very intriguing. Nothing further to add. But on well, that, uh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and if you do try to get to the beer store, at least here in Canada, it seems to be all sold out these days, right? No so way. Obviously quite popular. Hopefully there's no supply chain issues or or anything like that. The other thing that I just wanted to say about San Miguel beers is that in as much as it's for every person, it's for every occasion. But I also think even if it's for every occasion, it's also great as a staple for any celebration. And here we are celebrating the end of uh, 2021. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah, feels yeah, yeah, like yeah. 2020 and 2021 sort of melded together. So like it's a hurdle. <laughs> I know folks, yes. listeners, you're listening and there's a lot of changes going on. Even as Kuya and I speak right now, I'm sure things will change once this episode drops on New Year's Eve. But it's been a long haul, but it's been a good haul. We are resilient people here in Canada, mm-hmm. as even the Filipinos are. We are resilient people. And like Jesse said, sometimes it's nice to take a beat and just really be thankful and I thought it would be a great idea for us to just, you know, with our drinks in hand, just we haven't really delved into a nice little, what do we think of 2021's pop culture in a while? So I would like to ask you, Kuya, we're going to do some of our top three pop culture moments of 2021, which we sort of grouped together. I'd love you to start off. Tell us, our listeners, what was some of your number one top pop culture moments of 2021? I would have to say... Everything is new again, and I know you're going to say that too, but I would yeah. I would probably narrow it down even more and say reunions. Reunion, 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 from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and their reunion to yeah. the Friends reunion. And oh, I have to yeah. say, 
so excited for that reunion. It was so great to see them kind of all come together and reflect on a pop culture moment. I thought it was really special to see all six friends kind of come back and talk and not only just kind of talk about how fun, but also what was going on behind the scenes and some of the difficulties. Like it was really interesting to see everyone just kind of look back, be grateful, but also be honest and vulnerable and authentic. And I think that that's what I really loved about the show is that they were doing something really authentic to them. And we've been waiting for this for years, waiting for all of them to kind of come back together. So for me, when I think about pop culture moments of 2021, reunions and how everything is new again is something that is at the top of my list. How about you? What what is at the top of your Well, then let's just list? take this the counter. What is old is new again and I have a question mark. You know what? I do agree with you with the friends thing, but if you look on your screens whether you're streaming or on TV from things like Sex and the City becoming and just like that Lots of comments there from Gossip yeah. Girl, Head of the Class. There's a lot of things that are just, you know, drawing us from the blast from the past and just redoing it. Whether it's like Alicia Silverstone coming back and uh, even with the Spider-Man movie and the other two Spider-Mans and the older villains coming back. And let's be honest, my penultimate right here, the ultimate what is old is new again is Ben and J-Lo. There's nothing like a blast <laughs> yeah. from the past. It's coming back to the 2020s and giving me a glimmer to enjoy the past amidst a darker future. I'll leave it at that. Maybe they should do again. Before you ask me about my number two is I was thinking maybe Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez need to do, what is it? Jiggly? Jiggly? Retake of Jiggly. Yeah. That was just, yeah. I don't think they they should do like a sequel to that or something. If they can, (laughs) you know what? Just to kind of make the trifecta perfect. She looks banging. You and I both know she looks just as she does. She looks great. You know what? All I want to do, I want to put on those JLo plants. Like, you know, those, the JLo yes. brand, put on those low Terry cloth robes, saying that it's okay to put those back on again. And, you know, maybe Ben, get rid of that stupid tattoo. So on to yeah. top culture, pop culture moment number two, Kuya. What do you have next in your little docket there? Okay. I do want to tell you about number two, but I okay. just have to say, yes. Ben, have you read the news lately about how he says that he have continued to have been an alcoholic if he continued to be in a relationship with Jennifer Garner? That is not nice. I know. And I just thought, Ben, like, you know, you could just leave that out. Yes, for sure. Maybe that relationship was failed to begin with, but you don't need to kind of say that. And it's like, and your kids are going to read that one day, right? That's it. And the other thing too, Jennifer Garner went and got you and brought you to rehab and they took pictures of that. She was just like, nope, we're getting him. And like, it was very public. She's like, no, we're going to get you to the places. So screw you, Ben Affleck. Jennifer Garner's a good woman. I know. Oh, I know. Anyway, oh, anyways, I just have to say oh, that before we kind of get into pop culture moment number two. Even though yes, sometimes, no- I do have to say one thing. I do like the fact that Ben Affleck is always caught like having like a Dunkin' Donuts moment. Like <laughs> he's always felt, I'm like, if I was a star, they would have pictures of me going to Tim Hortons, eating a Tim B. All the time. And it's just like, hey, I'm, I'm no shame. Look at me, sausage farmer's wrap and a, <laughs> and a French vanilla. I don't care, but I don't have an ugly back tattoo. But damn you, Ben Affleck. The, okay, go ahead. I to know, th- Number two, Kuya. Okay, so <laughs> number two, a, a very important pop culture yes, moment for me I have to say. is the free Britney movement. Yes, yes, yes. And the exposure of the conservatorship drama. Oh my give, give goodness. Give people a capsule of Scandalous. this. Scandalous. Scandalous, capsule. right? Go ahead. You know, Go for it. I have to say it makes us really think twice about the issues with respect to consent, public guardianship, mental health, and the ability to recover. In other words, when is it for your own good versus when is it good for you? And 
I remember seeing this free Britney movement and not really thinking it, like I didn't give it too much credit because I would hear like fans on Reddit and on Twitter just basically saying things like, oh my God, if you look at what she's trying to say here in Instagram, you can tell that she's actually communicating that she wants to get out of this. But lo and behold, all of that is true and is in quite incredible. And I think when the New York Times through Netflix put out their documentary of Framing Britney Spears, My goodness, eye-opening for me, and it made me really have a better appreciation of the autonomy of individuals and how easily that can be taken from a legal device or mechanism like this conservatorship or public guardianship. At some point, that was meant for people that were in the winter of their lives, that didn't have full faculties, that then would eventually, of course, pass away, if not die. And so when you think about it, it's like, okay, well, we get it, right? Like that someone needs to be in control Mm -hmm. of them and be able to make those decisions. But if you're taking control of someone who's young, that of course, whatever mental health issues she's dealing with, of course, maybe someone needs to come to that person's aid, but then when do they get better? And when can they be released from the conservatorship or public guardianship versus locking it down further, which is, I think, what this is all exposed. So anyways, that's number two for me in terms of like pop culture moments. Okay, I have a couple comments on your number two. Mm. And, and I feel like we've talked about this. So I remember when she released the album and an album in the early 2000s. And then she did the show on ABC and she performed songs like every time and everything. And then do you remember when all of a sudden she sort of went off the rails? Remember she got married to that guy for a weekend. That was a family friend. And then Kevin Federline. And then I remember the ABC, I don't know what's the ABC special where they're like, her father's like, no, we're going to make decisions for you. And I remember watching the videos of her like waking up and she's like, okay, go brush your teeth. And she was like brushing her teeth to get ready for a performance. And then I remember her sitting in a taxi. And she just asked the taxi driver, she's like, can you just pull over? And she just walked in the park and she was so excited. And that was the beginning of it. And that's all I remember. I'm like, but this isn't something new. This has happened for a long time. Like this is, this free Britney. Over a decade. Because I remember like longer. I remember us talking about, I'm like, oh, did you guys see that interview? And which she was just like, her father was like basically bossing her like, okay, you need to like, As a kid, a kid in your 20s or whatever, you can do some crazy stuff, and they want to make sure that people don't go off the rails. But it almost looked like she was just like, okay, I have to perform. Okay, I'm going to go brush my teeth. Okay, I'm going to go do this. Okay, I'll do this. And it just looked like that was the beginning, Yeah. right? For the free, you're just like, wow, like, it's a long time. And it's questionable, like, Mm -hmm. the people, whether they stood behind her or stood beside her or observed, like, it's just, it was very eye-opening, Kuya. And I really like how you just really underlined that thing about, this usually happens when people are in the winter of their lives and they can't make these decisions. But you're doing on someone that was much younger. So, a lot of food for thought. That is a very interesting pop culture moment of 2021, big time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about you? What's number two for you? I just liked representation. You know what? When I see mm. Olivia Rodrigo popping up everywhere, when I see Simu Liu host Saturday Night Live with musical guest yes, Salvini, yes, Filipino, yes. Shang-Chi dropping Minari being nominated and the lovely supporting actress win for, um, for the lovely grandmother. When I see that, I'm seeing more. And there's going to be more. I was reading a book during the holidays called The Son of Good Fortune by Leslie Tenorio. It's already been optioned for a TV show. For Amazon Prime, mm, Filipino wow. author. I'll probably do a taste test on this book. You're seeing it everywhere. There's new shows like Amazon Prime just dropped with love and like Vincent Rodriguez, Isis from America's Next Top Model, who's transgender. Like the representation and people of color. Like I love it. We, we can see more around, and I just it, it's still prominent. It's still going and becoming not the norm. It's just like it's out there, and you get to see people that you can identify with. I still love that. I stay in it. 
Finally, queer. Well, Let's, and go ahead. Oh, and I was gonna just add to your list of representation is a Canadian, b Filipino, and from Toronto. But the latest winner of yes. Survivor Forty One Fiji, you know, yes. Eric Kasupanan. And I just think to myself, wow, wow, amazing, amazing. So seeing like even representation on reality television isn't that fantastic, especially Survivor, because you know you've loved that show for a long time. It's for one of us to, I've loved that show for a long time. And so when I saw her win, I was like so thrilled to see that happen. Number three for me is I've got two things tied for third on my list. So it was really hard to kind of figure out which one. So I just decided to put them up there. So tied for third is the Oprah interview with Megan and Harry. Classic. Which I watched and I was like, that is the most interesting PR event I've ever seen in my life. And then it just makes me think, you know, Megan, like, and this is not to say that I'm not... um, (laughs) amenable to mental health issues and pressures. Uh But I thought to myself, if you're getting married to a prince, Mm -hmm. you know, what did you think you were actually getting into? Right. And that so is a simple question. Can you say it again? Wonder. Hold on. Do say it again out loud for our listeners to hear. I, I loved what you just said. Please yes. Say it. I just think to myself, if you're getting married to a prince, cause it's well worth repeating, what mm-hmm. did you think you were getting yourself into? Like, Period. There is a particular Period. life of public service. Mm-hmm. That's right. And Period. we also know how vicious the paparazzi is in the in United Kingdom. You can, yeah. Right. Polar. And if you think that you can handle that differently, okay, well, more power to, to you. you. And I thought that they were going to do that. Yes. Right? Because I thought, oh, Canada, part of the British Commonwealth, makes sense. Maybe they might want to actually create a pseudo-monarchy in Canada. That has, oh, good Lord. You know, yeah. Yes, folks, I am a bit of a monarchist. I apologize this is if, my you're, wife. if yeah, you're more of a republic. <laughs> I just thought to myself, what what did you think you were getting yourself into? It's not to say that I don't have compassion, but you had to kind of go into that eyes wide open in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. So that's that. And I'm sure at some point, Emily has much to say. Emily, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that at the the end of the day. You said it clearly. That's why I had you repeat it. You knew what you're getting into. Period. What did you think? Yeah, yeah. what did you think? And Which is why I love HBO Max's The Prince, because it really tears that up into shreds and really kind of puts it on its heads in a Mm. lot of ways. As you know, I've talked a lot about that in one of our catch-ups in in a previous episode. (laughs) The other pop culture moment is the GameStop shares on Reddit and the manipulation. I don't know if you had heard about that. No, tell me about this. Tell me about that. So some Reddit, you know, small-time investors you know, started getting together and thought, you know, let's inflate the market and let's all start buying GameStop shares. Those listeners that don't know, GameStop is a retail outlet that sells video games, primarily video games, but they, you know, also sell associated fan merchandise along with that, Mm -hmm. you know, from action figures to board games to video games, you name it, they have that type of stuff. So Reddit users kind of got together. They all agreed that they were going to rally around GameStop shares and it Mm -hmm. overinflated the market. Oh and made yeah, and then the investors, the hedge funds, like suddenly started to lose capital. Shoot. And it just showed you that capitalism can work the other way around too. And it was just fascinating to see that. And of course, it was like a one-time thing, but it also shows you too that if we're organized, we can beat capitalism or oppression or whatever the case may be. And I think that that's why it's a very important pop culture moment is is that it just shows you organization can actually bring down some of these structures or at least temporarily pause them. So, so those are my like two things that are are tied for pop. Yeah. 
Yeah. That, that, what about you? That what's, what's number three for you? You know what? I just kept it simple. I kept it broad. Binging doesn't involve food. Period. Mm, Streaming serves it up, gives truth. you a place to escape. And let's be honest, or whatever. Whether you listen to our podcast or other pop culture podcasts, we are in a different time where it's almost like, what should I watch? And then you can consume it. Then you can discuss it. The only issue I have is that you gotta wait. Yes. When they give you all these ten episodes, <laughs> you're like, oh, the season's my season's over in a day. What am I gonna do? Because right now I'm in Ted Lasso remission. But like, oh, no, when's it yes. coming back? And you know, Emily and Pally is is coming back, and Bridgerton will come back. But you know, yes, it's yes. that bingeable thing. But it's so normal. You hear the word binging, and it's not related to eating anymore. It's just whether it's a Isn't six that episode eh? or, or oh, you know, if you want to like dive in and fall away for a while, you can be into like several seasons. Like you could revisit like Kuya did and go back to Danton Abbey. I just think it's just it's still a phenomenon to me that like I'm stuck inside while well, I'm gonna go watch like the whole season of Thirty Rock. And you can, you know, it's that accessibility. <laughs> and you can. And you can. Yeah, and it would no be problems. okay. <laughs> and it would totally be okay. But I think those are some really interesting pop culture moments for us to toast to as we hold our drinks and we look at a new town coming our way because 2020 is grown to a close. Do you have any thoughts about or aspirations or hopes for our new year coming up 2022, Kuya? Well, I don't know that I can predict anything. I think this pandemic <laughs> has just shown us that when you try to predict, it kind of goes sideways and all around. I think for 2022, I would just simply say health needs to be important and focusing on that and focusing on the world being healthy, not just ourselves being healthy, not just being in Ontario or being in Canada, but I would say the entire world is to focus on being healthy. So that's what I would think about and wish and put out there in the world for the new year in 2022. I absolutely agree. Take care of yourselves and your health. That's really important. I don't have anything further. Shall we take ourselves out of 2021 today? I think we should. And with that, folks, thank you for a wonderful 2021. We'll hear more from us in 2022. If you want to hear more from us or you have any comments, concerns, or anything you'd like us to cover in the new year, the other parts of season four of our Hollow Hollow podcast, email us at hollowhollowpopculture at gmail.com. The Hollow Hollow podcast is available on all podcast platforms. Please rate us and leave a review. You can find us on Twitter. Our handle is at Hollow Hollow Pop and on Instagram at Hollow Hollow Pop Culture. Finally, our musical theme is by Chell Turingen, and we receive editorial feedback from Mary Beth Badian, and we'll see all of you guys again in the new year. Malagayan bagoong bagoong taong? Did I say that right? Bagoong taong. I always want to say bagoong, but that's not correct. But happy new year from both of us on Hollow Hollow Podcast. Happy new year. Bagoong taong. Yeah.